Father, we thank you for the word this morning. We thank you that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. And we shake off the dust of the earth realm. That we might engage with your truth and your spirit. And the powerful word of God that transforms us by the renewing of our mind. We ask it all in Jesus' name and everybody said, Amen. So July the 10th, we shifted some things because the Lord said, I want you to embrace my kingdom culture. It's a counterculture to the world. And our prayer was, Father, what begins in this building must be exemplified by our living connected to you all week long. We want to live connected to you. Remember, your branches. So whatever you're plugging into, you're going to be full of. The eyes of the lamp of your body. If your eyes are full of the world and CNN, football, then your body will be full of that. The eye is the lamp to your body. But if you're beholding Christ, your whole body will be full of light. There's such an uh, oppressive spirit going on in the country. Morale is low. They're either people are depressed or they're mad. Well, thank God we belong to another kingdom. Thank God we belong to another government that doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we're to be a counterculture to an oppressive spirit. We don't need a sign again on I-35 like there was years ago. Christians, please inform your faces. We are light and we are salt. We are the joy this world needs to see. Come on, somebody. So God saw what was coming. And so he said, hey, shift some things. Here's how you're going to embrace my kingdom culture. Because there's going to be an oppressive weight and assignment, a depression come over the nation. And so what did he say to do? Well... I don't have it, but I'm going to give it to you. Number one, embrace your true identity. That's how we, that's how we uh, embrace our Father's kingdom culture. You've got to remember who you are. Embrace the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus is bound the strong man. Let's get to work. Embrace the lordship of Jesus over every part of you. Embrace the health and healing of God's kingdom. And then number five, stay immersed In my presence, he said. If you want to embrace my culture, you want to be different than the world, then embrace and and stay immersed in my presence. And then number six, he said, stay uh, dressed in the whole armor of God. There is a war going on. So the whole armor of God, we got to have the belt of truth. We got to know who we are. Then the breastplate of righteousness. You got to know you're righteous even when the enemy says you're not. You got the gospel of peace. As I said earlier, peace is not in the right set of circumstances. Peace is in right standing with God. And you have it. Shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the, sword of the spirit, and then praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm telling you, and I said it last week, now's a good time, if you're living in America, to pray in the Spirit. Amen. And we're going to talk about that. Maybe we'll get there next week. We'll see how far we get. Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on a few pieces. 
No. Put on the whole armor of God that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Aren't you glad people are not your problem? People are not the problem. They're just pawns being utilized by principalities and powers. And there are assignments levied against our country, levied against the body of Christ. But you think we have it bad here? We don't. We haven't seen anything compared. You need to be praying for your brothers and sisters across the world. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you can stand, uh, be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, stand some more. And then after you stand, stand some more. Having girded your waist with the truth. Guard your heart with the breastplate of righteousness. Put on your feet the gospel of peace. And then above all, take the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and then pray always in the Spirit, watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Amen and amen on that. So the whole armor of God has to do with proper knowledge and understanding of who we are and what we have in Jesus Christ. I'm going to say it again. The whole armor of God has to do with proper knowledge and understanding of who we are and what we have in Christ, protecting us from the enemy and from the flesh. The mind of the flesh, the mind of human reasoning. But the weapons are not just defensive, they're offensive weapons. So you are free to walk into the enemy's camp and take back anything he stole from you. You're free to do it. And the only reason you wouldn't do it is he, is he, if he deceives you and says, oh, you better not go there. And you say, shut up, devil. The weapons of my warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. You can plunder the enemy's house because Jesus has already bound the strong man. He came into the earth, bound the God of this world so that we could plunder his house and his goods. So we're not just defending ourselves with the whole armor of God. We can be offensive with it as well. We mentioned the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, talked about that. Peace, we talked about that. And now let's talk about the shield of faith. See what scriptures I have for you on there. Shield of faith. There you go. So if there's a weapon called the shield of faith that quenches fiery darts of the enemy, what would be the fiery darts that faith opposes? It would be things like fear, doubt, and unbelief. Satan's culture, Satan has a kingdom, and the culture of his kingdom, the atmosphere of it, is full of doubt and unbelief, fear, how about this, speculation, skepticism, pessimism and negativism let's be honest does anyone see at work in our country doubt speculation skepticism pessimism and negativism it's rampant in the country don't trust anybody 
Don't believe anything. And I know we're being lied to a bunch. I get that. But we can't cultivate a culture of negativism, pessimism, and all that because our hope is not in this world or man's government. Our government hasn't changed. Our king has not changed. Amen. This is what's happening here in the United States. We've got this assignment against us. It's never changed. Go back to the Garden of Eden. What he said was, has God said? Doubt about God's word. Doubt about the truth. The enemy's always attacking the word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the word, word, right there in Romans ten seventeen is rhema. Easy to remember. Rhema is relational. Rhema is a relational word that God speaks to you. And it carries that word from God personally to you, carries faith. It actually inverts the faith in you to walk it out. That's why, you know, reading the word is good. A personal word from God spoken, his spirit to your spirit, is awesome. It's a relational word. It inverts faith in you to actually walk out what he's asking you to do. And that's where the shield of faith comes in. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Do you think God has any desire for us to learn to walk by faith on this planet? One day, sight will replace faith. Amen? And that'll be great. But until then, we need to learn to walk by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we want to please Him by trusting Him. What? No matter what we see. No matter what we feel. Yeah. God is very interested in us learning to walk by faith and not by what we see and feel. He wants to make us people of the Spirit who derive all our joy and peace and power and all that from the Spirit, not from our circumstances. Or the world around us. And right now, if you're in America, you get to practice. <laughs> we are practicing walking by faith and not by sight. And I want you to write this down. I'm gonna, we need to define faith because it's all throughout Scripture and it's very important. Very, very important. Faith receives and appropriates what God's grace has provided. Faith receives and appropriates what God's grace has provided. It does not appropriate what God's grace has not provided. So when we went through the prosperity, I don't even know what, circus of the 80s and 90s, where we're trying to use faith to appropriate six cars and seven houses and just naming and claiming whatever our flesh wanted. Come on, somebody. Faith only appropriates what God's grace has actually provided. Faith is your receptivity to God's activity. So this is important. This is very important for you to get. Faith not only appropriates what's been provided by God's grace. So, so look at Jesus Christ. What has He made available? Salvation, healing, deliverance, intimacy with God, 
the love of God shed abroad in your heart. The power of the Holy Spirit. All this is yours already. Faith doesn't cause it to happen. It's already happened. Faith participates with it, appropriates it, walks in it. Faith not only appropriates what's been provided, listen to this, it actually participates with God's Spirit and His person on a daily basis. So again, I don't want it to just become some kind of formula for you. I'm appropriating the principle of fatherhood today. How many of you have ever taught your child to ride a bike? Three of you. Amen. (laughs) You taught all three. Now we're up to six. So, dads, Casey, I was at your house the other day. All your kids are all riding bikes. Could you imagine if right there in the backyard... What's, uh, what's your oldest boy's name? Jacob. Jacob fell off the bike. Let's say he falls off the bike, skins his knee. Casey runs over to him and says, Jacob, I am now administering to you the principle of fatherhood. And Jacob says, I don't want the principle of fatherhood. I want my dad. So faith appropriates a relationship with the living God. This is what Jesus died to give you. We're not appropriating principles and formulas and stuff so we can get blessed and we can be prosperous and I can be healed without ever knowing the healer. The reason Jesus healed people is they could know the healer. Everybody he healed physically died. They all died. But they didn't die spiritually if they received him. They began a relationship with him and they're still enjoying it to this day. That's what's most important. So grace appropriates what's been provided. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You can walk in that. Praise God. You can walk in the truth. Praise God. You can know your love. You're accepted in the beloved. Ephesians chapter 1. You're accepted in the beloved. You can appropriate that. Faith didn't make him choose you. Faith dances with the fact he chose you. But faith also walks in the present reality every day of his person, his power, and his presence. In the present tense. Amen. Go ahead and give God praise in this house. We're going to do it. Let's do it right. Grace is God's part. He's pretty good at it. Faith is your part. Grace is God's part. Grace is his power, his presence his person i don't want to spend too long on this but second corinthians chapter 12 remember paul's thorn in the flesh this is how this is how you let just scripture interpret scripture if jesus says something man i'm i'm paying attention paul said three times take this from me jesus said nope my grace is sufficient for you for my what's he say my power guess what the word power is there in the greek dunamis my grace jesus said is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness jesus just defined grace for you it's the power of his presence power of the holy spirit and you shall receive power dunamis Acts chapter 1 verse 8 when the holy ghost comes upon you and then paul says he's a fast learner Well, then I boast in all my infirmities so that the 
strength, the power of Christ may rest upon me. Guess what the word is? It's dunamis. Grace is God's part. It's His person. It's His power. It's His presence. The empowering presence of God that helps you do what you could not do apart from Him. And not only that, not only do... How many of you know you need grace to be married? You need grace to raise children. Anybody with a blended family. You need grace in blended family environments. You better you better have grace. Don't do it because your flesh is raging. Your hormones are raising, uh, raging. <laughs> you, you better go to Jesus and say, Should I marry this person? Is there grace for me in this marriage and blended family opportunity? Amen. God's empowering presence to help you be or do what you could not do apart from Him. So you better have grace. And then number two, to help you be what you could not be apart from Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, Paul said, I am who I am by the, by the grace of God. Why are you a new creation? By what? Why are you the righteousness of God in Christ? By what? By grace. Why are you accepted in the beloved? God's grace. So that's all His part. Your part is faith. That's why I say faith is your receptivity to what grace is already appropriating. Has appropriated? Yes. I am a new creation. Yes. But I'm also going to live in the reality and present tense of the, the fact that, and the truth that I'm a new creation. And accepted in the beloved. How about this? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For it is by grace you've been saved. Not of yourselves. Uh, I'm, I'm misquoting it. Faith is in there somewhere. It is by grace you've been saved through faith. There we go. Not of yourselves. Lest any man should boast. It's the gift of God. <laughs> and here's the beautiful part. Faith. When he says, Pam, I'm knocking on your heart's door. Would you receive me? That word has what in it? Faith. (laughs) So the grace is a gift, but let's be honest. God even gives you the faith to trust him with. When you receive the word, hey, receive me. I'm saving you by my grace. Then faith is activated if you'll be poor enough to acknowledge it and receive it. So by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not of works, lest you go around bragging about it. For we are His workmanship, created, and that means recreated, by the way, in Christ Jesus for good works. God prepared beforehand that you should walk in all these great things. That's what faith does. Faith walks in all the great things. But the fiery darts of the enemy are doubt, unbelief, not true. Did God really say? Are you really saved? Because you don't feel saved. You didn't act saved last night. Are you sure you're saved? Anybody ever heard that one? Call yourself a Christian. The accuser of the brethren. God's word has pronounced judgment on Satan's weapons. God's word, his truth has pronounced judgment on the condemnation of Satan. Oh, my goodness. It is. John 12, the ruler of this world, has been judged. He didn't didn't judge you. He judged the flesh, and he judged the ruler 
of this world. John chapter 1 verse 12, to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to be children of God, the right to become a child of God. To as many as what? Received him. Okay, he's talking about the new birth. So do you see how scripture interprets scripture? Faith is receptivity. But it's not a one-time receiving. That's, that's what we all did. You know, many of us, when we grew up in church, we went to the altar and we received Christ and then we left and we quit receiving. It's not a one-time receiving. You did receive by faith what had been appropriated. Salvation had been granted to you. So you received it and then you quit receiving. You're a branch. You've got to keep receiving. doesn't mean you're still being saved in your spirit, man. No, that's a, the new birth is a one-time thing. He births you by the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. But receiving is ongoing. It's called abiding. We want to live connected. We want to live in the reality of Him. Not a one-time surrender, is it, Brian? We come to the front. We signed a card. We got water baptized. We surrendered. Well, it's not a one-time surrender. Keep on surrendering. Keep on yielding. Keep on walking with Him. Does this make sense to you? So the new birth is one time. It's quick. It's rapid. But changing how you think and transforming you to look like Jesus going to take a while. Amen. So keep receiving. Touch your neighbor and say, keep receiving. <laughs> That's what good branches do. So grace is receptivity. As many as received him to them, he gave the power to become a child of God. So you become a child of God. Born again by the Holy Spirit. But then we continue to receive because we're good branches. And we walk with him. Amen. All right, the first four that we've looked at. The belt of truth, righteousness, peace, shield of faith. Those are all really powerful. I believe the next three are the how-tos of the first four. How do I remain with the belt of truth? How do I stay cognizant of how righteous I am? How do I understand that God's at peace with me and live in that reality? And how do I walk by faith and not by sight and always have my faith activated? Well, here we go. How do we do it? Helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is way more than you knowing you're saved and just going to go to heaven when you're dead. What does the helmet, where does it fit? What's it cover? Your mind. Your head, <laughs> your thinking. You need to know way more than you're just going to heaven. The helmet of salvation is here to guard your heart, actually, because the mind is the gateway to your heart. Whatever you allow in your heart will produce fruit. I wish it was only good seed, but you can let some terrible seed grow in your heart and then you'll begin to live after that... Uh, crop that's growing in there why because as a man thinks in his heart if you let that negative stinking stuff grow in your heart you're going to live according to it but we can't do that so the helmet of salvation goes to the to the mind because the mind is the gateway to the heart it's guarding your thoughts your thought life to protect your heart not only that not not only as as you think in your heart so are you, but out of an abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Hebrews, Hebrews 11.3 says that you frame the world you live in by what you say, by the words you speak. We talked last week about self-talk. The second most important voice in this world to you is your own. God's voice is number one, but how are you a friend to you? Are you an encouragement to yourself? 
Do you speak truth to yourself? Do you, do you let your mouth line up with the Word of God? If you put the Word of God in your heart, you will, because out of an abundance of what's in your heart, your mouth will speak. Amen. It used to drive me crazy in the 80s and 90s confession circus fiesta when everything was about confessing. Everything's got to say the right thing. Don't say that. That's, there's death right there in what you just said. Listen, if they're speaking death and bitterness all the time, what is it? It's a heart problem. The issue is in their heart. What they believe in their heart is the issue, not some external man-made confession. Go to their heart. Where is the Word of God in their heart? Amen. Good preaching, little preacher. <laughs> Romans 12, 2 in the Passion Translation says that you're transformed by changing the way you think. Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed into the culture of the kingdom of God on the earth. How do we have His culture? By not being conformed to the world, but transformed by changing the way we think. Amen, amen, amen. Don't let all the negativism and pessimism and all that stuff get to you. Skepticism, don't let it get to you. We know in whom we have believed. The world's going to world. Can we stand together that let's don't allow negativism, pessimism, or skepticism to get in our relationships with each other? If you hear something negative about one of your brothers or sisters, go to them. Believe that, well, listen, I don't believe that Roger would say that. So let's go talk to Roger. I just don't believe he'd say that. And if he did, maybe he needs healing in his heart. Let's don't let the enemy put poison water in our well. Let's believe the best church, the culture of the kingdom of God. We should, it should be grace and peace to you. I believe the best about you. The enemy loves division. His nickname is Beelzebub. You ever heard that? What does it mean? Lord of the flies. What do flies do? Flies reproduce in death and decay. So he wants all this death and negative talking and backbiting and gossip and slander and disbelief. And I just can't believe that about Bill. He's such a terrible person. I can't believe he did that to you. Man, flee that stuff. If he did do something, let's pray for his healing. Let's help him. I'm not talking about you, Bill. Or let's go to, let's go to Bill. I don't believe he feels that way about you. Maybe, maybe that was just the flesh. Grace and peace to you, Grace Church. We believe the best about each other. Grace and peace from God to you through our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let the enemy poison our well. That's the culture of the kingdom of God. Amen. That's the love of God. Do you know 1 Corinthians 13 says that love keeps no record of wrong? Mike, well, what are we doing? <laughs> I've been there. I got ledgers that live inside of me. I mean, are you like me? We got to get rid of these ledgers. Well, they're conditioning me to act that way. Well, stop it. Stop letting them be on the throne of your heart, supplying your behavior and your attitude. 
Listen, there's, there's only one way to respond, and it's Christ. Christ is the right way to respond in every situation. He, that's the only answer there is. You can't just sit around and justify all your negative feelings about somebody. You've got to ask Jesus, what is my expression to this person? Not my will, but it's all about lordship. When you experience salvation in Jesus, you've got the mind of Christ. So we have to renew our minds daily to the mind of Christ. Write this one down, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Let me say that again, and we'll pause right here. Do you know that when you got born again, you got the mind of Christ? I'm not talking about your brain. I'm talking about the mind of Christ, His perspective, His thoughts. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 2, 9. As it's written, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. It's like, wow, I mean, it's so incredible. We could never grasp what God's really got prepared for us. Well, verse 10 says, but God has revealed them to us. (laughs) God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things and eat things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is inside of him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So you had to get the Spirit so you could begin to know the things of God. John 14, Jesus told the disciples that the world doesn't know the Holy Spirit, but you know Him. He's with you now and He'll be inside of you. So role number one of the Holy Ghost is for you to begin to know God. (laughs) To know Him. Knowing Christ, the King is more important than delivering the message of the kingdom. Knowing Him has to precede delivering the message of the kingdom. You've got to know the King to deliver the message of the kingdom. So let's get knowing Him because nobody knows the things of God but the Spirit of God. Has anybody used this, this book called the Bible to hurt anybody? You ever seen that? I don't mean physically hit them. Now, somebody might have. I don't know. But use the words of this book to slay, to kill. People have done it. The Crusades. What in the world? Who do you know? What spirit is that? Not the Holy Spirit. So this is a thing of God. No one knows the things of God but the Spirit of God. So you need to have the Spirit of God so you can begin to rightly... Divide truth. Amen. All right, verse 13. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches us, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. But the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. Can I say that again? The natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. It's what's wrong with our country. Everybody's so carnal, giving way to human reasoning. Well, that sounds like a good idea. Well, if it's contrary to Scripture or what Christ has taught us, then we have to reject it. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He can't know them because they're spiritually discerned. So you can't know God without God's help. You can't be like God without God. 
Verse 15, whoever spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? We have the mind of Christ. Everybody say, I have the mind of Christ. Amen. So what does faith do? Participates with it. Faith says, I want to get to know you more and more and more. And then I want to have your thoughts, your wisdom, your perspective on how to deal with a situation. And it helps, too, to be prayed up, to have spent time already first thing in the morning with the Lord, renewing your mind. I can't tell you how many grace churchers have told me that when they started sitting with him in the morning, really spending time just aligning with him that's what prayer is we're just aligning with him and his spirit they tell me over and over again how how much better their day is how they handle things so much better than when they just go at it after the flesh and then they hope they respond right when they get done wrong (laughs) brother lee armstrong a good friend of ours from victory life uh, in durant he prays every morning lord i forgive right now anyone who might harm me today. He just prepared on the front end. I think that's wisdom. Amen. The, uh, the other part is, as soon as they treat you bad, you're, you're going to have to try and not react in the flesh. But if your mind's already washed in the Word, if you've already sat with Jesus, you're good to go. Look at Galatians 5.16, Amplified. But I say, walk and live habitually. Everybody say Habitually. Walk and live constantly by habit in the Holy Spirit. That way you're responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. (laughs) Not by offense. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh. Which is what? Human nature without God. For the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh, to that of godless human nature. For these are antagonistic to each other, continually standing, uh, continually withstanding and in conflict with each other. How about that? So that you're not free, but you're prevented from doing what you desire to do. Verse 18, but if you are guided and led by the Holy Spirit, you're not subject to the law. Just put in parentheses there of self-effort. What is the basis of the law? It's you on your own, independent of God, trying to please Him, trying to perform, trying to get everything right, cross every T and dot every I. You're not under law. You're under grace. Romans six fourteen, Sin shall not have dominion over you anymore because you're not under the law of self-effort. It's not you. You're under the law of grace. It's me in you. Amen? That's how we overcome because we can't be like Christ without Christ and we can't have the mind and thoughts of Christ without Him. So a great question is, are we being transformed by the world or are we taking what transformation looks like to the world? That's where we want to be. Don't be transformed by the world. Take transformation to the world. And as we go on in uh, the 10 ways that we embrace the Father's kingdom culture, living as God's salt and light is next after we get through with the whole armor of God. Living as God's salt and light. Now, let's go to uh, number six. The Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. 
And when I talk about, are you being transformed by the world? Let's go back to what the Lord's talked to us about. Don't be divided. Don't live a divided life. Live as one with the Lord. Remember, divided is, well, I love the world about as much as I love Jesus. No, we don't want to be there. We want to love Jesus with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So let's don't live divided lives. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. And as I said earlier, it brings judgment to Satan's works of condemnation, shame, sickness, and listen, perceived separation. When you feel separated from God, are you really? It's a lie. It's a deception. You're one with Christ. Whoever's uh, joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. So that's why I call it perceived separation. Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 39 says, Nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Nothing. So I'm going to say again, the sword of the Spirit, God's Word brings judgment to Satan's works of condemnation, shame, sickness, and perceived separation. So before Jesus saved you, before Jesus healed you, He did something. What did He do? He destroyed the works of the devil. Before He saved you and before He healed you, He had to do something. He had to destroy the works of the devil. He had to end all condemnation, guilt, shame, separation, all that. He had to end it. Because if you don't overcome those, you'll never receive them. So he had to destroy the belief, the lie that God wanted nothing to do with you. He had to obliterate all condemnation. What, is, what does that mean? Well, it's a builder's term. Condemn. If you condemn a building, it's not fit to live in. He had to end the lie that you weren't fit to live in, that God didn't want you. That was a lie. So he destroyed the works of the devil. Then he saved you. And he healed you. And he appropriated, he made possible salvation, healing, and deliverance. Praise God. So it's a weapon to help change our thinking and remain in truth, remain in righteousness, remain in peace, remain in faith. That's why I say five, six, and seven are the how-tos of one, two, three, and four. How do I stay in truth? How do I stay that I'm righteous? How do I stay that God's at peace with me? How do I stay and live in faith? Well, I got to renew my mind, the helmet of salvation. And number two, I got to be well acquainted with God's word. The sword of the spirit is going to keep me locked into truth, righteousness, peace, and faith. Sounds like this. The truest thing about you is what God says about you, that you get washed by the washing of the, the water of the word. That's why I was praying, you know, that when if we limped in here today, we're not going to limp out because the Word of God is living. It's active. It cuts away all the garbage. It cuts away the speculative thoughts and feelings that would try to hinder our worship this morning. It cuts it away. So that's why we preach the Word. Amen. That's why we preach the Word in this house. Why? Because it cuts away all the garbage. It keeps us locked into truth. And righteousness and peace and faith where we should be. The washing of the water of the Word. And what's one of the best things we can do for each other? Wash each other with the Word. I think today, my kids are coming over to celebrate my birthday. I turned 51 yesterday. 51. I think what we'll do is we'll wash each other with the Word before we eat. So today, before you have lunch, if you're with your spouse or your children, just take a moment 
and ask the Lord for a word right out of Scripture that you can wash each other with. Maybe like this, Caleb, you're the righteousness of God. Noel, you are completely forgiven in Christ. Joshua, you are accepted in the Beloved. Just whatever the Holy Spirit prompts you as you're led. But I think it'd be good. It's a great practice, families washing each other with the Word. That's way better than you'll never amount to anything. What's the matter with you? Can't you do anything right? Come on. That's, that's death, negativism, pessimism, skepticism. Kill it. Amen. Wash each other with the Word. Psalm 33. Write this one down. I got just a couple and then we'll close. Psalm 33, for the word of the Lord is right. Listen, the word of the Lord is right and all his work is done in truth. Verse 9 says, Psalm 33, for he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Literally doesn't waver. See, the world is going to world, but what does the word of God do, do for us? The word of God is forever blank in heaven. Who knows it? Settled. The Word of God is forever settled in heaven. The Word of God is what settles you. So, so if you struggle through the week, go back to the Word of God. Go to the sword of the Spirit. Spend time there because the world will unsettle you. The Word of God will settle us in Him. Heaven and earth will pass away, but His Word will never pass away. What does that mean? The Word of God's always relative. It can always be applied. It's never outdated. Be careful. Your children may be fed things like, well, that's just, I know it's in the Bible, but that's way out. No, it's not outdated. Oh, no. Truth doesn't change. The Word of God is the final authority on all things. Amen, somebody. Parents have authority over children. But if there's a dispute, what should settle it? The Word of God. Why? Because all authority in heaven and earth belongs to Christ. So Brian, as a father, has authority, but who's he ultimately got to give the authority back to? It belongs to Christ. He doesn't just get to wield authority and do what he wants. Amen. As a biblical authority, as a biblical elder, I have a measure of authority, but Christ's word settles it. If Jaretta and I have a disagreement, it's not, well, by God, I'm a biblical elder at Grace Church. <laughs> Who settles it? The Word of God. The, the Word of God settles it. Yeah. Why? Because the authority I have ultimately belongs to Jesus. Now, that should sober you. Whatever authority you have in marriage, whatever authority you have in family, whatever authority you have in the workplace, who's it really belong to? Amen. Don't shout me down now because I'm preaching good. So biblical elders are authorities in our lives, but they're not the final authority. Why? Because God's word is the final authority. Matthew, Matt, you guys can come. Let's stand together. Well, praise God, we made it all the way to praying in the Holy Ghost. That's where we'll pick up next week. Praying in the Spirit. How many of you want to know the truth about tongues? We need to talk about it. The truth about tongues. 
we'll, be, we'll get into that next week. So bring all your friends who don't believe in it. <laughs> It'll be fun, right? Tongues is not of the devil. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to preach it. Every head bowed, every eye, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your heart as Lord of your life, you've never said, "Lord, I receive you." And I receive now the power, the right to become a child of the living God. If you've never done that, would you slip your hand up and say, Brother Steve, that's me. I want to pray that prayer this morning. I want to be born of the Spirit of Christ and become a new creation. Anybody? If you're here this morning, you'd say, Brother Steve, I've heard the word of the Lord this morning. And I'm purposing with the help of the Holy Ghost to walk by faith and not by what I see and feel. And that with that, I'm going to allow the Word of God to begin to settle me. I'm going to lock into the sword of the Spirit as a weapon. And I'm going to purpose to allow that Word to wash me and then wash those around me. If that's you, and you just say, I'd like grace for that, would you remember me in prayer? Slip your hand up. I'm going to pray for you right now. Amen. Father, all over this room, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the shield of faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, a relational word. And Lord, that we're not going to live by what we see and feel and that Holy Spirit, we're giving you permission to check us when that happens. Check, check us when we begin to give way to what we're seeing and feeling instead of walking by faith. And then allowing the Word of God to wash us, wash our families, wash our children, our grandchildren. Father, we repent of negativism. We repent of skepticism. And we repent of pessimism. And Father, I ask that you would heal. Even with that, would you heal all our relationships here at Grace Church? Would you solidify spiritual family are those who really believe the best about each other, who really know each other by the Spirit. We really do. And we say grace and peace one to another. That's a culture. That's a community of our Father's kingdom. We love you, Lord, and we praise you with all we are. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Come on, let's give him praise this morning. If you have questions or you need prayer, stick around. You've been listening to Grace Church, advancing God's kingdom, one heart at a time. For more, visit us online at gracechurch.community.